0: Your presentation welcome back to another untitled movie podcast episode 136 i am one of your hosts matt Rohrbeck, alongside he's allergic to tomatoes but he is tomato meter approved eric march in.
1: I just want to fly. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Why, why, why? I don't know why we've had that. Put your arms around me, baby. Put your (laughs) arms around me, baby.
0: Sorry. Beautiful Beautiful voice. a voice of an angel. Eric Marchand, how are you? With the voice
1: of an angel. I'm great. I'm great. Uh, Thinking about Sugar Ray and Mark McGrath.
0: (laughs) As one does, you know? Yep. On a November 1st. Happy Halloween, everyone. Welcome to Christmas season. I don't know what the hell you want to call it. Uh, we're back with another episode. What are we going to talk about today? Who the fuck knows? Like, <laughs> no, dump
1: not November. <laughs>
0: um, we're just going to hang out. You know, There's lots of news to talk about. Maybe there's some stuff we can talk about where maybe we talked about it in our Black Adam spoiler cast, which is a lost episode that no one will probably ever hear because... We recorded something. Uh, The news broke about James Gunn and Peter Safran running DC Films. Uh, And then that whole conversation. Starting today, actually. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, congrats to them. Um, So that whole conversation we threw out the window because it was literally what's next for DC (laughs) or what's next for the DCEU. And then we used Black Adam as a jumping off point. So everything we talked about was irrelevant within about half an hour after we recorded. Uh so we're gonna talk about that today. We're gonna to talk about what else are we gonna talk about? Maybe some Henry Cavill that ties into Black Adam. He's leaving the Witcher. Um not a show that either of us watch, but I think it's pretty big news that he's being recast in the in the in the next season. Um Lupita joins
1: uh a Quiet Place Day one from the director of Pig. So yeah. that looks like it's going into production uh probably in the new year. Um, and they also have...
0: confirmed that Quiet Place Part 3 is coming from John Krasinski, which we didn't know about until today as well.
1: An unlikely um, pairing of A24 and Friday the 13th to create a Crystal Lake series, which I would have never have really? thought would happen. Yes, I Brian Fuller that. is, th- is going to be the showrunner huh. on it. So elevated horror in the slasher genre. A24
0: Friday the 13th with Brian Fuller. Yeah. Huh. That sounds cool. I'm like I'm not against that. I, I know people really loved. I'll Hannibal, send you the right?
1: the uh, the link.
0: Or not? Is it Hannibal? Is that yeah, what the show Hannibal. was called? Yep. Yeah, yep. that people really really liked. Um, and I mean, that's that's wild. That's cool. I didn't even see that. Wow. Wow. We'll talk about movies being over three hours long. <laughs> um,
1: Babylon we got, uh, and Avatar: The Way of yeah, Water, which this episode um, will probably be dated because the new trailer for that movie, Avatar: Way of Water, will be available on Wednesday.
0: Right. Which we'll talk about on the next episode, which is fine. Uh, Eric and I are going to LA. There's some news. Um, We're going to be going to a Critics Choice event for Glass Onion. Um, So we'll talk about that, not on the next episode, but the episode after that. But we're in planning stages for all of that right now. Other than that, Eric, how was your Halloween? How was the last, you know? couple days last
1: week what you've been up to you watch any more spooky movies or what matt in the great words of jonathan frakes have you ever been to a one-year-old's birthday party <laughs> uh i attended uh my nephew ivor's uh first birthday party which was uh, a lot of fun it was a, a costume party so i dressed up as the titular jonathan frakes of uh, beyond belief fact or fiction uh, also obviously known for star trek next generation um, it was, it was fun because it was more, it was mostly kind of celebrating, uh, my brother Connor and his partner, Nicole's first years being parents as well. And, uh, we got Ivor a smash cake, which was kind of shaped like a, a pumpkin with eyes and he was terrified of it. So this will probably be one of the first, uh, reasons why he goes into therapy, uh, as, as a young, uh, adult. Perhaps. Right. Um, But it was it was nice. It was it was one of those things where it's like, you know, the older you get, you kind of are less enthusiastic about maybe dressing up unless you kind of like doing the cosplay thing or what have you. So it's always kind of like a last minute, like see what works and and what you can kind of do or, or what's the bare minimum. So just wearing a black suit and having a beard and kind of looking like John Drew kind of worked for me so it was yeah. like I'm done but I didn't realize what my other brother Kyle and his partner Heidi oh, were he, they were crushed his, Yeah. uh which was uh Hi- was, <laughs> Heidi was Vin Diesel uh aka Dom Toretto and Kyle was a car
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and the car I, I wasn't was sure if he was made... Paul
0: Walker in a car like uh, no. or he was no. just the car
1: That know? would be in poor taste well, uh no he was fine. just he was just the car and he actually like made made a cardboard car car. it's awesome like i don't know if we can
0: share that somewhere or send people to find it but it's um eric might tweet it out we'll see or just follow Um, him on instagram
1: yeah Yeah. and And then and then my uh brother connor and his partner nicole and and uh my uh, nephew iver were uh uh the hill family uh hank peggy and bobby so
0: Nice. Yeah, I went to a Halloween party as well. You can kind of see the remnants of it still as these temporary tattoos are slowly fading off of my arm, but I still have some of them on me. Um, Yeah, I went as uh, Carmi from The Bear. Um, The Bear, everyone should go fucking watch if you haven't watched it yet. It is incredible. It's on Disney Plus here in Canada. It's on Hulu and FX in in the US. Um, Yeah, I took the lazy route this year as well where you know nevis and i usually like dressing up every year we do couples costumes most of the time there was one year where i was peter b parker and she was paddington bear where you know, obviously peter parker and paddington bear aren't a couple um yet um but multiverse <laughs> um this year the vibes were a little bit off with Halloween. I don't know if the vibes were just off in general this year on some things. Maybe post-pandemic, we're actually still in the pandemic, but a lot of people think it's post-pandemic. Um I just I wasn't like into the whole like figuring out an elaborate costume this year or even like putting something together. Um so uh, last minute I was like, what can I do? That's super easy. And then Neva sent me a photo and was like, hey, car me from the bear. You need a white t-shirt, black pants, blue apron, some tattoos, and you're golden. Um, I didn't, I was going to commit to the bit and like completely like shave my face down to the skin. And then, um, and like get, get a, a wig, wig or something. But like if I, I just got a haircut in the last like week. So if I didn't get a haircut, I would have probably worked cause I could have made my hair greasy and it was a bit longer. It would have worked. But, um, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Put some tattoos on my body. So I took like an hour to put all these temporary tattoos on my body. And I was like, there we go. And then I got one of those, um, like it's not Tupperware, but it's like chefs use them for like everything. And in the show, he drinks water out of that. So I'm like, I'll just hold that. I'll drink my drink out of that the whole night. And then I'm Carmi from the bear, um, the titular bear from the bear. So that's what I did. And the party was fun, I guess. You know, it was typical Halloween get together. There was some punch. I didn't really drink. I'm I just not much of a. a a drinker anymore every once in a while i will but i also went to like a halloween concert on thursday thursday wednesday and i got drunk that night because we went out to dinner to sugo and we got some cocktails in another place and i got drunk before the concert where it was just a quartet playing halloween music uh like scores from halloween movies and stuff like that um And then also went to Sagra di Toronto, which was like an Italian uh, restaurant here in Toronto or a place called Familia Baldessare. Um, They did this event three years ago, like right before the pandemic in 2019, where they do like an outdoor sagra, which are popular in Italy, where it's like a community comes together and you all eat food together and it's like a communal kind of thing. So uh, we ended up going to that on Sunday after the Halloween party the next day so um it was a busy ass weekend so I'm kind of like it's I'm still reeling from it had to do groceries and shit yesterday and I was just like exhausted but um other than that like I haven't been watching much horror stuff I did watch Dr. Sleep the director's cut um with Nevis that's like the one Halloween thing or like spooky movie which it's not the movie's not very scary at all but like uh it was the kind of one in the mood for spooky season movie you don't think
1: child murder isn't scary matt you sick it's
0: a in the movie it's a little goofy but (laughs) it's like uh rosie the hat just uh is a funny character really it's it's unsettling at times but like it's the way that they're like huffing their essence and stuff is just very um very silly i still like the movie a lot three hours and two minutes i think is the director's cut um is a lot the Flaniverse, um, and i yeah i had to enter the Flaniverse during halloween season um but other than that you know i have i've just been chilling um the director's cut of doctor's sleep you guys can go back and listen to our review of doctor's sleep i think yeah, we reviewed it. I remember sitting in a Tim Hortons gas station place <laughs> and doing that with you. Um, I like the director's cut. It definitely fleshes out uh some more and you can tell that like Flanagan probably would have liked to release that version, but it was way too long. Um love the chapter-based storytelling. Um, love that it gives a little bit more to uh, Danny's story of what place he's at in his life and as well as the young girl that the story's about too. I forget her name. I'm bad with the shit, but um, but a solid movie, just not, it's tough. Cause the shining is such a masterpiece, iconic kind of movie that following up that. And, um, re especially on rewatch, I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't the shining, but it's still an enjoyable movie if you can. And the director's cut is good.
1: Yeah, no, I, it's, I haven't watched the director's cut yet, but, um, I really did like, uh, doctor sleep and, um, I think. It is the best version of that book. And also kind of, if you're going to make a sequel to, you know, that, that is referencing Stanley Kubrick's The Shining, but also Stephen King's book, because the movie versus the book are two completely different things, while still thematically having a yeah. lot of connections together, um, because, I mean, Stephen King has famously said that he does not like yeah, stanley yeah. kubrick's the yeah. shining so um you know it's 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 it is a bit of a tightrope there to walk in in terms of the continuity and what you're kind of referencing specifically but um overall yeah it's 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 one of those films that i haven't revisited since we watched it but if i do or the next time i i, I get a chance to see it i will watch the director's cut because i would be more interested to see kind of a you know, a fully realized version of the Flanniverse. And I do feel that he works best within sort of long form narratives in television. Yeah. Like you look at Midnight Mass and, you know, uh, the haunting <laughs> Hill of the house. And yeah. Things like that. Like manner, it, yeah. yeah, it feels like he works a little bit better with something where there's a little bit more time narratively to breathe um, and explore individual characters and storylines that maybe are... Extraneous for a feature, but not so much for uh, a TV show.
0: And I think in a three-hour feature, it does undercut a little bit of the tension, or and turns it more into like a character drama than it does like a horror movie, um, which is fine. Like I like that. I think he has great characters and all of his his stuff. And I feel like when you focus on Rosie the Hat's group and you focus on what Danny's going through and his connection with this girl who also has the shining and, and um, yeah, I think it it becomes more of a character drama with some thrilling aspects. And then like it, it is on rewatch. Like it is very silly at times. You kind of have to buy into it. Like um, the shining, I just feel like the tension in that movie is very different than what, you know, they're very different movies. Um, It's just when you see Rosie, the hat and her whole group, and it's brutal when they're killing children, and then you see their fucking essence leave their body, and they're all like, <gasps> <sighs> like hovering over this kid, like huffing their essence. Which I'm like, was that in the original cut? And I'm like, like when smoke actually comes out of their body and they're huffing it that that is in the original cut. Yeah, right? and because yeah. they're also
1: putting yeah. it in in containers for later and on fucking as well, huffing right? Huffing it, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just
0: such a over the top kind of. Like the Shining, I it's obviously still dealing in the supernatural, and there's super like ton of supernatural elements to it. But it never goes into that territory where you're like, this is a little bit silly. Where this kind of does do that, but it ultimately wins you over, even with its silliness. Like, yeah, Jack um, Nicholson's
1: not wearing a hat in that one.
0: Yeah, and I I do love all the recasting in this. Like, I prefer that over um, uh, digital de aging and stuff like that, and and. Uh, which Flanagan could have easily done, right? But yeah. I, I, I doubt Jack Nicholson or, um, she- Shelley or Shirley Duvall. What, Shelley? Uh, Shelley, which well, she's coming back to do a new movie, right? After yeah, 20 new years. horror film. Yeah. Um, but I know that she did not uh, the whole thing with Kubrick on that movie and stuff too. But um, I doubt they would have come back and de aged them. But I like the recasting. Of some uh, some of those characters and and I feel like it just works like you buy into that right away like that never feels I think at first you're like oh is that supposed to be that oh okay I, I'm in on that that's fine um, so yeah I, I don't know I definitely think if you guys haven't watched Dr. Sleep it's definitely worth seeing it is an investment even at two and a half hours so I don't blame people for seeing a three-hour director cut of a horror movie and going Ooh, I don't know about that. And like, um, but I was in the right mood. Nevis hadn't seen it. It's been a couple years since we we saw it and reviewed it. Um, and I I was curious about this director's cut because I heard it had chapter based storytelling. Um, and I heard it just fleshes out some of the characters even more. And it definitely does all of that. And I I, I enjoyed it. And now the next horror director's cut I want to see is is Midsummer because I haven't watched that director's cut yet either.
1: Yeah. It's, you? No, I, no, I haven't. I have it sitting uh, uh, on my table as I'm looking at it now across there, but it's, yeah, it's one of those movies where it's like, I think you have to kind of be in a mindset for specifically something that Ari Aster has directed to revisit. I've seen Hereditary twice.
0: Yeah, his movies are not ones where you're like, I'm in the mood for an Ari Aster movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like,
1: they're they're kind of like, you know, like you watch them when they get released and you kind of have that experience. And but not that they're they can't be there's there's a morbid sense of humor to them or there's something that's re-watch, like they are rewatchable, but they are emotionally draining at the same time. And they kind of, you know, very much kind of. Wander in morose and and kind of misery porn a little bit, but not in a completely exploitative way, but more so in a, you know, this is going to take... This is, this is going to be your whole day. You know, if you watch this, like you're, you're going to have to like take the rest of the day off. You're going to have to basically like lie. It's not something you
0: just throw on.
1: It's not a casual Sunday afternoon. It's not on
0: AMC half, like at 3 PM on a Sunday and you're like, oh cool. I'll watch Midsummer director's cut.
1: Yeah. Although it is interesting. And we've talked about this before on, on the show where Midsummer really does seem to have sort of permeated pop culture in the last few years where people are referencing it and dressing up in Halloween costumes or like even being you know a kind of a, a launching off point on an episode of uh, Good Mythical Morning and and so like there is something there where I think Midsommar kind of surpassed Hereditary in terms of just its imagery and oh, absolutely, having yeah. a sticking point. Although I like hereditary, like I like both of them, both of them are great, but I think I like hereditary a little bit more, but Midsommar seemed to kind of catch on a bit. And and probably that's also to do with like, you know, Florence Pugh kind of becoming a ri- rising star as well. And people going back and and rewatching that. And then, you know, you have your dedicated horror fans as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's fascinating With that, and 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 again, there are moments of of humor throughout both Hereditary and Midsommar, especially with how ridiculous and dark things get. I mean, obviously, like William Poulter, uh, particular in 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 Midsommar, is is actually very funny. So, yeah,
0: I think a lot of horror when it comes to like that's my go to reaction in a lot of horror movies because even something like Halloween ends, I ended up laughing a lot during it because whether it's like extreme gore some of intentional jokes, unintentional jokes, um, s- s- jump scares like my go to reaction is laughing. And that's like it's just one of those things, like if something gets me and I jump, then I laugh afterwards because it got me or something like that, which um, or if something's extremely gory, uh, my reaction like Nevis has a visceral like that's disgusting reaction where I have that disconnect that it's a movie and I'm more impressed with the gore levels. So I laugh at how disgusting it is. Um, rather than have any other reaction very rarely like does something get me to kind of go like the paper cuts in
1: everything in everywhere everything all at once
0: almost get me more because that's like a visceral thing that i have actually experienced that i hate rather than like okay someone getting their face caved in or their tongue cut out in halloween like it doesn't bother me i just go holy fuck that's gory <laughs> like
1: yeah um no yeah. yeah there is that disassociation where it like it is kind of almost comically violent to the point where you can you know look at that barbarian as well yeah yeah i mean barbarian definitely in the sound design and in some of these movies as well where it's so heightened and and it's supposed to kind of make you cringe in a way but it almost makes you cringe in that kind of like awkward kind of comedy manner where it's like you're laughing with or at how ridiculous uh the the heightened aspect and the sensory of a a set pieces or a a mutilation of a character. Like those scenes are, are usually like, like evil dead movies are a perfect example where like everything in those films are pretty goofy, but they're intentionally so, or even more recently with malignant, like it's just so over the top and the movie is very self-aware in its design, but it's playing up to that fact where, you know, there are films that deal in horror, whether it be real world horror or you know, something that is a little bit more subtle or kind of commonplace, like, as you mentioned, you know, getting a paper cut, something that's relatable that might make you, you know, wince a little bit more, like even something like just getting, you know, blood drawn from a needle. I think I react more to somebody or seeing a needle go into somebody's arm and having blood extract and seeing someone's arm being chopped off if that makes i any agree sense. i
0: think it's the stuff that you can relate to like you said or you can believe could happen to you right it's yeah. almost like the scariest horror is shit that you think could happen to you right like uh that's why i feel like people have visceral reactions to home invasion movies or why the first half of barbarian is very tense, right? Because you could imagine being in a scenario, even just the booking the same Airbnb as someone. That anxiety of that almost yeah. feels scarier than something that's supernatural or extremely gory or, or or something like that. And even to your point of intentional comedy versus you know horror and comedy, we've always talked about how similar those genres are, uh, because it's all set up and kind of execution on the whatever the punchline is or in or the scare is or something like that. Um, but then that's why I think horror comedies work so well is because of that as well, which is you brought up Evil Dead, even Barbarian to an extent.
1: Well, Jordan um, Peele, I mean, obviously yeah, Peel, with what yeah. he's been doing and William Peter Blatty with, you know, The Exorcist and The Exorcist 3 and, uh, you know, like Nope has a couple moments in there that are very anxiety, you know, uh, driven in and, and that they kind of get you to feel tension and fear but it's in a way that's also relatable because part of it is claustrophobia in one moment and and that works in a way that you're not expecting it to kind of appear and then when you watch yeah. it and you see what I'm referencing you are completely unsettled by it where there are horror movies that are kind of playing on that lower register where it's less about the jump scare or the gore and it's more about setting a mood or tone and like rewatching John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, which, you know, like John Carpenter in, you know, from the seventies into the eighties and in the the early nineties, you know, one of the best genre filmmakers, one of the best filmmakers working at that point, you know, the thing has been reappraised. Halloween was always a classic. There's a lot of people that love Christine Um, big trouble in little China is a cult classic film. Prince of Darkness seems to finally be generating that a little bit as well, where with that movie, it's, it's fascinating because I was watching the film and then I watched an interview with Carpenter and he was talking about like, he likes to make movies that are filled with doom and gloom and that he's not afraid to make something that's not going to be, you know, palatable to an audience and also takes its time. And, the opening credits of the film span like the first five minutes uh, of the movie. And like when it gets directed by John Carpenter, you're like five minutes into the film um, as it's, as the, as the credits are still ongoing, like throughout this five minute opening sequence of setting up like, you know, uh, this kind of, Roman Catholic society that's been hiding this vat of green goo in a basement for 2,000 years in the Brotherhood of Sleep. And you find out that this vat is basically the Antichrist and how it also kind of is a cross section between science and religion, but it's mostly kind of staged in this abandoned church and it's a siege film. Uh, Donald Pleasance plays uh, this kind of over the top priest that's also very cowardly in the same way that Loomis was in the halloween films um it just has this mood to it that is very creepy and weird and there's this broadcast signal that everybody dreams in the vicinity of this tube that is also very creepy and looks like it was shot on video um so there's like that's a movie that I would recommend to people that if if they're fans of john carpenter and they've watched the thing now like 7 to you know 800 times which is understandable cuz it's a perfect film um, Prince of Darkness, while it's it's a little bit slower and more kind of abstract in its style and and somewhat expressionistic, um, it just it it has this interesting kind of approach to what you would think a film dealing with religious iconography could pertain with, and it's not just. A possession movie and it's not just an exorcist film and it's more heady with its kind of details on on sort of subatomic particles and beams and things like that and carpenter was interested in all that stuff and in, in the interview and he's like you know a lot of horror movies don't like to bring in new things and new topics and new ideas and that's kind of why he felt by the time he reached the end of the 80s that he was a little bit kind of dissuaded by not wanting to continue to make films. And he talked about like how he likes to spend the day reading the newspaper, um, playing video games and watching basketball. And that's like yeah. what he likes doing now. And he's fine with that. But when he was, which is cool,
0: movie but movies, I would love for him to do one more. I don't know. I would too, I just, but like, his I don't last, know if it would be good. Cause like the, the war was obviously. terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And t- to me, it's almost like, I rather have him just do what doing he what he's yeah. doing, what he's doing now, maybe compose, you know, a piece of music or, or, or give a, a filmmaker a piece of music he's already written that maybe he had kind of lying around because I feel like, you know, his scores have been some of the best stuff in the David Gordon Green, uh, he Halloween movies. And even though Firestarter, the remake, he also did the music Zach Efron wasn't great. The music was, was good um so you know just 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 let him do what he wants to do if he wants to direct something like he keeps saying that he's kind of flirting with the idea of maybe coming back to direct something but at the same time he's not necessarily bothered by it and he's one of those guys that's like he's part curmudgeon and then part you know basically like you want to like worship the guy's at, at the guy's feet because he made some of the best horror movies yeah. ever where it's like I, i'm sure like if you met him in person you probably could only like withstand him for like maybe 10 minutes at most and he'd he's yeah. kind of like <laughs> such an asshole uh after a while but i kind of like that as well where it's just like you what you see is what you get with him and he's an artist but he would never call himself that uh, you know? and
0: that's why i think i'd be interested in one more because of his mindset over the last what uh so when was the ward 2010 yeah so like the last 13 years or 12 years or whatever like I, it would just be interesting of what would convince him to come back and do one I know in a some too yeah I know he talked about dead space he's like oh I would like to make that um dead space being a video game um and him doing that like him doing a video game adaptation would be interesting because of how much he actually is a gamer and yeah. like and how much he actually does give a shit about certain games and stuff like that. Like it, it's funny. We'll talk about last of us in a sec, of course. Um, but there was that whole interview, uh, when Halloween ends was coming out that he did where he's like, Oh yeah, I got stuck on last of us part two and I never finished it. And he didn't know that they were making it into a TV show. And he just seems like he's in his own little world, just like gaming and and hanging out, like being retired. So, and sort of retired, like you said, he does some music once in a while with his son. And, yeah. um, I mean, I'm so glad we saw him in concert that one time too, because I was like (laughs) um, that was I don't think we'll ever get that chance again. So um, I'm yeah, I I love John Carpenter and he is when you think of Halloween movies, obviously he made Halloween. But like I think uh, he's one of those guys that first pops into your head. So uh, October is a great time for a John Carpenter movie, but anytime is a great time for a John Carpenter movie. I've been itching to watch The Thing. Maybe I'll watch Prince of Darkness now that you mentioned it. Maybe I'll just go through his filmography. That's something like maybe into the new year. I still want to do that, you know, sub show of like, we don't have enough time anyway to do things, but like I would love to do filmography seasons of like, okay, go through this person's filmography, do a season of podcasts on each one. Second season, pick a new filmmaker, go through theirs. Um, Cause it would just force me to go through and see some of these movies that I haven't seen Cause like I've seen big highlights of, of people, but there are still big gaps I have um, in certain great filmmakers, filmographies. So maybe one day we shall see, did you watch anything else spooky or, or, yeah, or I mean, whatever? I
1: watched a bunch of stuff on letterbox that you can go and check out. I uh, watched um, cure, which is a, a Japanese horror film, horror drama. It's, it's a, it's a weird hybrid of things, but it's, it's fantastic. And I don't want to give way too much because a lot of people haven't seen that film and, and it kind of plays within, you know, this weird kind of zone of uh, procedural, but also like horror movie. And it's just, yeah. Criterion released it on uh, uh Blu-ray recently. And um, it's, it's fantastic. I rewatched uh, Ravenous, which I hadn't seen in a while, which I think was kind of a a, a good one to watch before um uh bones and all comes out which is one of the ravenous is one of those movies that again it's such a weird film to kind of describe but as kind of like a Windigo cannibal movie that's you know set in the frontier times with robert carlisle and and guy pierce and just the tone kind of plays with both horror and surrealism but then there's also kind of like this darkly comedic aspect that undercuts some of the uh more kind of brutal violence that's, that's in the movie, but it is one of those fascinating films And the score um, is it shouldn't work. It really shouldn't. Uh, but somehow it it comes together in a way that's perfect for this film, which is kind of just this juggling act of being both very funny, but also sadistic at times with, with what it is. And And I'm just surprised a movie like that, got made and and weirdly it's available to watch on disney plus so you can check that out there and uh, i would i would recommend that love it love
0: it um all right moving on moving on let's get into the the big news which we did uh sort of talk about in that uh lost spoiler cast that i talked about um let's talk about the The state of D- <laughs> DC <laughs> films. Um yeah, so as I mentioned like before, uh Eric and I recorded a entire spoiler cast for Black Adam which our thesis or our whole point of it was what is next for the DCEU or what could they possibly do after that. So I don't uh, at this point you've probably seen Black Adam. I don't know if you haven't seen it you probably don't care. Um, We won't fully spoil it, but, you know, there's some teases in there that, you know, this is very much in the DCEU and the DCEU is very much going to is alive and well and going to continue. Um, We then got an announcement on Instagram that Henry Cavill is returning to the role of Superman, um, rumored to try to do a sequel to Man of Steel or a follow up like in, in, you know basically rebooting the character, but being the same character in a new film. I only killed five people in this one, not thousands. And then uh, right after we recorded that whole episode, which was like, where could they possibly go? No one's running DC films. Like uh, blah, 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 blah. blah. Um, It was announced that James Gunn and and, uh, Peter Safran, uh, I always forget his last name. Peter Safran are co-CEOs and co-leads of, Uh, what they're now calling DC films, um, which is going to be, uh, you know, diet
1: uh, Coke uh, films.
0: Yeah. Um, What they're calling, you know, this basically the Marvel studios of DC. So DC studios um, uh, with James Gunn at, at the helm. So in a situation where James Gunn releasing two MCU projects, as he is the co-CEO of DC films, which I think is very interesting and funny. Um, although they talk about how there's no real competition there and things like that, or conflict of interest um, that, I mean, it's all,
1: it's all product, right? Like it's all, I mean, this is, this is just a management job in general. It's just exciting to see that gun who has contributed quite a bit to both the MCU and DC in a positive way, especially on the DC uh, side of things with both Peacemaker and the suicide squad. Um, Now, might be able to creatively pursue a new avenue with the DCEU or DC films or whatever you want to call it in a way that might finally break free of Snyder's bullshit for the most part, maybe with the exception of some of the kind of bigger movies like Black Adam. But, like, you can see that, like, with, with, james gunn maybe there will be some room for the more obscure or absurd 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 uh characters to kind of be brought into play and kind of have fun with the genre
0: yeah um i think dc needed james gunn more than marvel did which is ultimately and i think I think DC needed
1: anybody. Sure. But I, think ja-
0: I think James Gunn's a good get, right? Like, like you mentioned, he's probably made two of the best or the two best uh, DC projects, at least. I mean, Matt Reeves, the Batman. I mean, DC. But that's EU
1: not, that's stuff. not. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. DCEU
0: stuff, even though he will be co-leading the entire DC films, which would include the Matt Reeves, uh, Batman films uh, and universe, whatever that's going to be moving forward, as well as, uh, Todd Phillips Joker universe so like he is the guy in charge with Peter Safran uh, and Peter Safran you guys might know as he's been a producer on a bunch of DC films he's going to he's producing Aquaman 2 uh, and The Flash I believe as well and he's he's produced a bunch of of DC stuff so you kind of got the classic producer businessman side of it and then you have the creative director Um, writer side of it with James Gunn so I think it's a good combination of those two guys and I think I'm with you where Peter Saffron will probably be the more straightforward let's get the big things let's try to figure out if everything should connect or how we're going to move forward and James Gunn will play a part in that because we even talked about on that Lost spoiler cast that Gunn probably had the best use of DC EU characters, whether it's Justice League or, or other things that he's involved in his movies or shows, uh, both in an irreverent kind of funny way and and just in building that universe out. Like, look at how important Amanda Waller has become, which is like she started in that crappy Suicide Squad movie and then more is utilized more and more throughout James Gunn's Suicide Squad and, and Peacemaker and now Black Adam and showing up everywhere. Recording from her iPhone in her apartment. <laughs> but, um, well, do, you, do you
1: have like 10 minutes so we can record yeah. this?
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think he's a good choice. I, I think it is funny that he has to go promote and, and finish two MCU projects while being the head of DC <laughs> Studios. Like, uh, I do think that that is funny. Um, and I don't think that there's a conflict of interest. I think all of that stuff, it's like the, you know, when there used to be Nintendo versus Sega or PlayStation versus Xbox. I'm using a lot of video game analogies, but people like to pit two companies against each other just because they're making similar things. And yeah, there's always been a rivalry between DC and Marvel. And you're, you're, you want your comics to sell better than the other guys, you want your movies to do better than the other guys. But I don't think they're actively trying to ruin each other or try to make each other fail because I think one's success it helps the other as well like I, I think healthy competition is good I think um, really the success of both brands really kind of uh, benefits one another so like it's not like they're trying to be like good I want DC to fail like if anything I think Kevin Feige and Marvel's like cool James Gunn did great stuff for us he made three guardians of the galaxy movies and he he's going to go over and do his thing over there like he was never going to take that job away from kevin feige over here right so if yeah. he was done with the marvel universe
1: right then, kevin feige then, was murdered today <laughs> yeah
0: so like i i don't think that was ever going to be realistic and there were those rumors that uh david zaslav um went and asked kevin feige if he would leave marvel studios to go run dc studios and he politely declined was in the uh in the article so i thought that was funny um i guess that's like a jj abrams going from star trek to star wars kind of thing but
1: but it goes to show you that a lot um, of these company guys don't really have any creative imagination outside of like let's look at what works and take that and apply that to just do it here. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's, that's what basically, you know, James Gunn going from guardians to the suicide squad was because suicide squad was ripping off a bunch of guardians. Misfits and, yeah. Yeah. And then and it was just like, okay, well that didn't work. Well, what do we do for the sequel? Well, let's just hire the guy the that, guy, that yeah. did it and make it work for us because he made it work for them. And it was a, a an opportunity because of guns firing and then rehiring and, apology tour for previous tweets so you had all that as well and gun i think fits just as well in the dc world and and again like i think with the suicide squad you can tell that he has more of a, a, a leeway when it comes to you know not only the creative aspect but how far he can push certain things when it comes to the horror and the violence and the humor of, of, of things and whether or not that's going to work for every project he's working on or putting together or shepherding in some kind of fashion, it will at least kind of feel like, okay, well, maybe there's something more here than just like, okay, well we have to kind of like force these pieces to fit together in some way or another. Cause we still have, you know, Shazam 2 Aquaman, uh, to whatever the hell's happening with the flash movie, possibly another wonder woman film. So those four movies are still, you know, are, are movies that were being made or developed in, you know, pre gunn and Saffron era. So it'll be interesting to see when we actually start to feel the side effects of James Gunn and Peter Saffron in you know, their decision making and like what comes after those films and like what is going to be something that is directly like, you know, okay, well, we've announced that this is what we're doing because like even... You know, on the DC side of things, it's not the the universe stuff. You know, you mentioned Matt Reeves. You know, we're getting an Arkham Asylum series coming up. Um, the Penguin is going into production Christina really Christina Malati
0: soon. was just cast. Yeah, of
1: Palm Springs is playing uh, Carmine Falcone's uh, daughter. Sophie is going to kind of be like the rival for Colin Farrell's Penguin. Um, so that... I think probably was already it well in the works before that official announcement was made with, with, with gun and Saffron. So, you know, like it will be interesting to see like what projects are truly theirs and like what is going to be like, what we, what we have to kind of like, you know, get to the finish line.
0: I agree. Cause like they did also only sign four year deals. So, to me, four years is nothing in movie years. (laughs) Like, four years, we might get at the end of that four year deal something that they were involved with, right? Because, like, you got to think all those movies you just referenced are coming out over the next two years, right? Wonder Woman's maybe two to three years out because they haven't even started filming that. So, Matt Reeves' next Batman movie, yeah, they'll be involved in that because that hasn't really, yeah, but that hasn't started yet either. Uh, I guess Joker, um, uh, come see, come saw is coming like in <laughs> in next year. Um, and like, they're not really involved in those either, even though they will be the head of DC studios now. But yeah, it's going to be interesting. Cause like, I'm assuming the four-year deals just to see how it goes. Right. And I have no doubt that they'll probably sign another four-year deal after that, as long as, you know, what they're involved in looks good or at the end of that three third or fourth year you're going to start to see something that they fully produced or directed or were involved with right so i don't know are they going to get to the marvel level where you're getting uh three movies a year with two tv shows on hbo max like it's possible but like you also want to be smart about it because just chasing uh, Marvel studios has been what hasn't really worked. Right. And I'm sure James Gunn knows that they're not Marvel studios. They got to do their own thing. So like they are doing their own thing and having multiple different movies that aren't part of the same shared universe and and, and things like that. And have had, you know, uh, it's just going to be interesting. I, I don't know. Like, cause four years isn't a long time. Uh, I'm sure you'll get a James Gunn directed movie that's coming out in the third or fourth year of that contract, you'll have him involved in a couple other projects. Peacemaker season two will come out, Um, things like that. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. Who
1: gets the credit for the, the, the projects that were already in development or in, production or in post you know like well, if, if
0: they go well they do if they don't they go <laughs> it was the previous right. regime
1: but even if if it doesn't go well and it's the previous regime they still will be blamed for it because they're the ones that are that are manning the ship I have to so fix to speak it. Yeah. right at the helm so it's like almost like you're damned if you do damned if you don't because if if they if it goes well well then people can say well it wasn't really them that did anything because they were just there to kind of make sure everything got released based on a deadline that they had and then if it's not successful they'll be like oh well see it didn't work you know having a filmmaker come in and be a creative type alongside a more you know company driven producer so it's it's a weird thing where it's like it, it almost feels like you have these four years are almost a write off in a way where it's like it, as long as the movies do well like they'll get credit for it but then there still will be that like okay well they're not really it's we're not really seeing what they brought to the table it will be the next contract if they sign for another additional extension or or four years or what have you that will be theirs because they can pitch projects right now. They can start, you know, developing things. And and we've even heard that Gunn is working on a secret uh DC movie right now. So, you know, maybe that will be at the tail end of those four years where that comes out and that's kind of like the beginning of you know, the gun and saffron influence on the DC films universe. Um, But everything that's kind of being made now or is in the works does, does not feel like it's, it's, it's more like they're just overseeing everything.
0: Yeah. So until we start to hear what those projects are going to be, it's hard to really, you know, say it's like, it's, yeah. Is it a good, a good person for the job I think so um I'm definitely more interested in DC stuff moving forward knowing that James Gunn is kind of the one of the guys overseeing everything like at least they have that person now and I I know Walter Hameda was that guy before and obviously that did not work out and you hope Gunn has a good relationship with actors and and directors and producers and writers and like can bring in some interesting talent and and uh uh It'll be very, I'll be very interested to see because we're in that weird spot where it's like, it's kind of seems like a reset point, but they've set up so much now, even with bringing Henry Cavill back that you still are continuing. And like you said, those movies that are greenlit is that DCEU of old, right? So what even James Gunn, but he is smart enough that we saw in both the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker to kind of poke fun at what came before and do a reset point, like a soft reboot point, right? Being like, hey, canon is canon. We're going to continue this, and we will try to kind of either poke fun at what came before or reset it in an interesting way, but everything that came before, it still happened, right? Like it's still there. Let's not completely blow this up and start from scratch because there are people who like that continuity, uh, there's a lot of people who don't like that continuity in the movies or the movies right if you can make a good sequel a great sequel to suicide squad um then i think i have faith that he can take the dceu and and do something interesting with it so i don't think we're going to get like a full reboot or anything especially with this Cavill news and um you got to think that that was happening at the same time as the james Gunn negotiations so you you'd hope that he gave his like yeah, I'm cool with Henry Cavill being the Superman of this universe and we can continue with this and make something good with that version of Superman. Um, And I know there was those rumors of Christopher McQuarrie maybe taking a meeting about doing a Man of Steel sequel and that would get me interested. Um, And I hope he brings that type of talent over. Not that I, I just want those guys to be shoehorned into superhero movies like everyone is. I still hope it goes One for me, one for you kind of thing. But um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be very, very interesting. I have no idea, but I assume the DCEU will continue. And I think James Gunn has done a really fun job of setting his two projects that he's done in that universe and making them feel like they both are a part of that universe, but know what came before. Like, I think they both had a good sense of humor about it. And I'm not saying every project will have that James Gunn humor and everything in it, because I think he'll pick and choose and and know how to kind of balance his style with the people he brings in.
1: Yeah. And we've talked about that with, with certain Marvel, you know, projects as well, where tone plays a role in, in, you know, what story you're telling. If you're, if you're doing something that's more, of a one-off that is playing or, or paying tribute to, you know, classic universal monster movies and werewolf by night works well as that as kind of a one-off, but I don't think that tone would ever work in a captain America movie, you know? Like, yeah. and, and so you, you need to make sure you kind of know the story beats and the mechanics and things like that. So going forward, I I do think it will be really interesting to see you know what is going to remain after? I guess the Flash would kind of be like the last thing that Reset they're like, point, yeah, because yeah, because again, like you know, we're assuming that Flashpoint is going to, you know, take some of the continuity that we're familiar with with you know the Zack Snyder stuff, and restructure it or you know as you mentioned Reset the soft people's reboot.
0: memories or whatever
1: like yeah. yeah. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe maybe yeah. we're just projecting that on it based on what the comic book adaptations are because I mean the, the the Michael Keaton stuff might be just even a one-off now because of this what's happened with Batgirl. So um, like it, it still kind of feels up in the air but at least now you have a couple people that are at the bottom ready to catch what's left and try to put it back together in a way that makes sense. And it's not just going to be some sort of weird Frankenstein cut, like the Whedon justice league movie.
0: Yeah, no, we don't want that. That's for sure. Um, but it'll be definitely interesting. I'm, uh, I'm here for it. Um, yeah, the other news on, on that front, we talked about, uh, the, uh, penguin show, right. That's yeah. what, where, uh, Christina Malati is going to be in that. um, Craig DC Zobel stuff, is, yeah. is
1: directing or is one of the, the main showrunners who yeah. uh, just worked on uh, uh Mare of Easttown. Town. So
0: Yeah, which I'm all for. Um so I'm I'm definitely curious, man. And yeah, maybe Matt Reeves like They'll let him do his thing over there, but um, I know he wants to build out his own Batman universe, so it'll be
1: uh, well, with the yeah. Arkham Asylum series as well. Antonio uh, Campus, who just recently directed right. the Netflix movie, yeah. uh, The Devil All the Time, with Robert Pattinson, uh, in, in, in a role in that movie. So, um, it's that's interesting in itself because he's, he's working with people that are independent filmmakers. Craig Zobel kind of came up with. You know david gordon green and 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 people like that and and now you know he's kind of integrated himself more into um you know television with the mayor of east town but um the mayor of east town uh, ripped so like yeah, I'm, and, I'm all for that yeah yeah and and and, and with campos like you know, he's also another kind of like Sundance indie filmmaker, but it seems like that he's giving him full, you know, the, the keys to 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 the asylum to kind of play with, which so, is cool, right? Yeah. Like it's
0: just different, right? Like that that will be that more kind of, you know, we we joked about it, but like it's not an indie movie at all, but like it's the Batman having Robert Pattinson, they called it a 24 Batman and, and stuff like that being a much different tone and, and vibe and, and and stuff than we've felt from a lot of the dc movies and even marvel movies so like i wasn't a huge fan of devil all the time i remember being kind of just mixed or or i remember you brought it up when this when they announced this and i was like i forgot i watched that movie it was like beginning of the pandemic right yeah like i feel like and then does that do you think that gives more of a chance because of him working with robert pattinson that robert pattinson might show up in that show
1: i wouldn't um, say i wouldn't say and can you do
0: I... an arkham show without batman <laughs>
1: I mean, y- you can, I guess. I, I mean, yeah. it, it's the same thing with The Penguin. I mean, that's going to be the same question. Like, where is Batman going to fit into that? And where are the pieces of this show going to fit into Matt Reeves's next Batman movie, which he's just only starting to kind of put together now on, on, on a script stage or at least like an outline. So like, it's, it's interesting that, you know, Reeves is building this world and kind of flushing things out and, and trying to take time to do that, which is good. Um, And, you know, having just mentioned it, like, I, I think like even in that first Batman movie, you know, the, the, the casting is very creative because it feels like a lot of thought went into who would be best for these roles. And, and, it didn't just feel like, okay, we're, you know, obviously there are actors that have been in other comic book movies like, you know, Zoe Kravitz, but Zoe Kravitz felt much better suited in the Batman than she did in X-Men First Class and was much more memorable in the Batman where, you know, obviously the news breaking uh, yesterday about Yahya Abdul the II being in the Wonder Man series, the Marvel series, where... He has just done a stint and he's in Aquaman too. Uh, you know, it it it's so it kind of feels like, you know, whether it's it's the part of producers or the casting directors or whoever, it's just like there's this Rolodex of people. It's like, okay, well, they haven't been in a Marvel movie yet, but they have done a DC, so let's have them do the DC movie now. And we've gotten to that point where, you know again comic book films are like action movies it's not mm-hmm. special anymore in the sense of like oh this is my one comic book film i did you know no if, it's just
0: if, another genre now right you yeah. can do multiple action movies you can do multiple superhero movies and like it yeah the yaya abdul Mateen, uh the second thing in wonder man it, is interesting because yeah him playing a prominent villain in aquaman he's returning for aquaman 2 not the first time obviously we've seen heroes on the uh, DC side become villains on the Marvel side and vice versa, and and actors jump around and and I don't think I think that goes back to the 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 thing we talked about with James Gunn working on both, right? Like it's not that big of a deal. Um, it was but it's at more. First, it's interesting but...
1: though when it's people that are actively working in both franchises at the same time, where like you could say like, oh well, you know, Christian Bale being in Thor: Love and Thunder was weird seeing Batman become a villain in in the MCU, but there had been a bit of time since retiring the cape and cowl that he kind of moved on from it where Michael Keaton, there's a similar thing where it's like, okay, well, when he, you know, signed on to be the vulture, it had been decades since he had been Batman and Batman returns. But then after, you know, the multiverse kind of picked up, it's like, okay, well let's bring this, version of Batman back. So now you do have actors that are even someone like Randall Park, you know, who's also in Aquaman and in uh, WandaVision and, and, you know, right. Yeah. I mean, look at James
0: bringing it back to James Gunn with suicide squad and, and, and and stuff like that. Like he's going to use actors. I'm sure some people that he's worked with Michael Rooker, obviously. And
1: like, uh, I'm sure Dave Bautista will at some point show up in a DC movie that's produced or directed by Gunn.
0: Yeah. So uh you know and they I I'm not super familiar with Wonder Man at all. <laughs> um my great name so, though. So yeah, I am again I'm and they said it's going to be a series not a special presentation, correct? And then Yes. Yeah. Um so yeah, I'm I'm all about it. I like Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Like I I think he's great. So I'm I'm definitely uh, I- intrigued, and
1: I think I from Watchman to Wonder Man.
0: God, he's uh, there's another there's a DC comic thing that he was in as well, right? So, yeah. Um. Anyways, good for him. Uh, other news or trailers, Eric? What do we want to talk about? Anything big happened in the last uh, couple of weeks or what?
1: I can't think of anything um, that's like. Too outstanding, although we haven't been, we haven't recorded a regular show for a while, so I'm sure yeah, there that was something kind that kind of. Kinda, shooting the shit, right? And just yeah, what
0: else we want to talk about. I think the James Gunn
1: thing was the biggest.
0: Uh, i'm sure something will
1: happen as soon as we're finished recording this there will be a big news story as 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 our luck always seems to turn out
0: uh you mentioned Lapita nyong'o being cast in a quiet place day one uh coming from the director of pig Um,
1: yeah which was originally going to be jeff nichols who directed that but then he left the project over creative differences is now is making a movie about bike riders so um uh, the director of of pig michael uh, saranov is or uh, saranovsky is is directing this and um
0: i love lapido uh, Lapita, and i love um uh, i think it's an interesting choice with uh, the director of pig. So I'm, I'm definitely, and I like that universe. Like I know you're not a huge fan. I think, I think
1: it's fine. I just, you like like those two
0: movies. You just don't care that much, right? Yeah.
1: I don't know if there's a lot for world building with this. Like, I feel like a quiet place could have been a one and done movie and it would have been fine. And now doing this, even though I, I I like pig a lot. Lupita Nyong'o is, is an amazing actor. I think it'll, it'll, it'll be fine or it probably will be better because maybe, you know, it'll, it'll play, like, I could see the producer being like, do what you did with pig, but for quiet place, Uh, you know? Um, But I can see more care going into it or, or, or maybe, you know, this director's voice will get lost in the way that a lot of, you know, filmmakers who have, you know, a, a successful indie movie kind of catapult them into franchise favor right down to someone like Colin Trevorrow, where it's just kind of like, you kind of lose your way, and then you go and make the Book of Henry as a way to, you know, uh, atone, and then you make it even worse. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen here, but it just feels like, okay, this is kind of like that classic, like, you know, indie filmmaker does something that kind of has a little bit of that world building, you know, background with their, you know, directorial debut or their feature length directorial debut. And then let's, you know, capitalize on this because they did so well. Like, if Nicolas Cage is announced in, a quiet place oh, That's all i K1, want dude. Then, yeah then that, that'll I be want. amazing because do you think i think it could happen oh i'm not I would... gonna cage is now he's back and better than ever although he never left so
0: <laughs> that's also true that's all i want and then krasinski coming back with part three um i liked part two quite a bit but um yeah i'm i'm, I'm with you i don't know if i necessarily needed a quiet place universe but it did so well that I'm not surprised. And I do, you know me, I'm a, I'm, I am a sucker for like post-apocalyptic settings with monsters and and that kind of, uh, you know, I think the first movie is not perfect, but, uh, you know, it's both movies are those movies where you, when you start to nitpick at some of the logic and, and, and different things, the movie does start to fall apart a little bit, but it's just so enjoyable that that stuff doesn't, bother me <laughs> like it, it's just like it was a f- they're both fun popcorn movies to me where it's like okay there is some stuff in there once you really kind of start looking at every nook and cranny you go man, the logic or how this this doesn't all kind of add up but i think it's just so well made that it and it becomes so uh enjoyable but like for krasinski to get kind of you know I'd like to see what he could do outside of that universe. Right. Like that's kind of it. Like to, to be kind of shoehorned into doing now three of these movies when he only talked about that, he wanted to do one. And he also came up with the concept for day zero. Um, I'd like to see what he would do outside of it, and I know we've seen it here and there. Uh, you know, d- he directed something before Quiet. He's Place. He's directed two he? terrible yeah. indie movies: brief yeah.
1: interviews with hideous men and the hollers, and they're both terrible. To be honest, I'd rather him be trapped, trapped in, quiet, in quiet Place, because like, he's
0: actually found his, his what he's at least somewhat good at.
1: Yeah, and I don't need to watch some obnoxious like indie i think he's actually directing a movie right now with ryan reynolds and is steve carell with like um oh uh, he is yeah imaginary did, friend movie. there we go
0: so we are getting that so i
1: forgot oh about that yeah. uh we'll we'll see i mean we'll see who knows i i didn't like his indie movies i think a quiet place is fine i think a quiet place i, I guess is what i meant fine. is like
0: what he would do after quiet place right, right. now that he's done like a like a I don't know a popcorn movie. Like, what other popcorn movie would he make? And I have no idea what his next movie is. Chris- I
1: think the guy I'm more interested right now to see who, what his next move will be is someone like Zach Krager, Where, like, it, like yeah. he, even he was talking about, like, he has like a Batman adjacent script that he would love to make. Um, You know, so
0: how does that even mean?
1: <laughs> I I don't know. But <laughs> is it a Batman
0: of, movie? Like well, he said, of, uh, like... he
1: says uh, he has a, a Batman adjacent script that he would love to to make into a movie, and he would drop everything to do it if i wonder if it's the in the line.
0: batman universe like if he could pivot and do something yeah, condiment with, you know, King. Like, with matt reeves and in, in that universe but um i don't know
1: but yeah but uh, going back to a quiet place like i also feel that maybe the productions are kind of you know getting ramped up a little bit quicker now because it's going to have some competition and comparisons to the last of us series which it also very much probably took influence from so there's that to consider as well and you know i I think as we're looking at you know superhero fatigue and world building fatigue the one aspect or the one sort of corner that has done very well and there hasn't we haven't been bombarded with them is you know the, the the james wan conjuring universe you know Mm -hmm. it was the thing that kind of beat the uh uh the dark the dark yeah yeah, the dark universe you know and and so i almost feel like the the quiet place world building is also a little bit in in capitalizing on the success of of what one has had and and not really having much of a, a rival to to sort of you know get anybody really kind of interested in anything else other than the conjuring stuff. It's like the conjuring stuff. It's like, it it, it has its audience. Nobody's going to be like, Oh, well I, I like, you know, I like Tom Cruise's the mummy movie more than the, the, the Warren films. It's like no one ever will say that, but now you have, you know, some interest in universal trying to revamp, the universal monster movies with obviously the invisible man, but I don't know what's going on there. And then Renfield's coming out next year with Nicholas cage as, as Dracula and, and, and Nicholas Holt as, as Renfield. So like, maybe that's going to be the start of, of where universal is going to build up their, their monster movies again. Yeah. Like but these t-
0: horror shared universes. Cause yeah. like we are getting the nun too.
1: Yeah. Um, They're cheap. They're easy to then- make. Crooked Man still coming or what? (laughs) We can only hope. Uh, But there's a Conjuring Four that's going to be that's going into production. So, yeah,
0: I mean, Peter Safran I think is it was one of the producers on on some of the Conjuring movies, right? So it all comes full circle, kind of. I think I think he was involved in some of them, or he's involved in some of the ones coming up. But um, I think he was. Yeah, he started with this with Annabelle and then has produced a lot of them moving forward
1: great movies
0: um, <laughs> hey i mean sure they do well they do that's what i mean so if dc sees that and that dc or not dc well warner brothers discovery sees that the conjuring universe was their most successful shared universe then why not bring in saffron who had some success with that stuff as well
1: and other studios are looking at that like paramount's looking at that and being like oh well a quiet place can be our conjuring universe you know mm -hmm. or um universal now is like okay well the dark universe didn't come together but maybe we can, you know, take The Invisible Man. Maybe we can take... Um, Dark Renfield. Universe V2. Yeah, and, and do something <laughs> smaller, cheaper, and more idiosyncratic than before. And, like, even, like, hearing about, like, you know, I, there hasn't been much movement on it. But, like, Derek uh, France, d- um you know, directing a Wolfman movie with, with Ryan Gosling. Like, you know, like, these films feel like they are also building to something and even with the invisible man the lee Wan elf movie it did feel like there was an basically a a sort of an allusion to what could come
0: weren't they weren't they working on another one like um well elizabeth banks was yeah. yeah
1: the invisible woman i believe was, was is elizabeth that Titan.
0: happening or i don't know she went i thought from, they were she, shooting it already she
1: too, went though. from it, it was almost like a, a roulette table of projects for her at universal where it was like i'm gonna direct this ya movie that's kind of based on uh alice in wonderland and then that didn't happen and it's like i'm gonna do the invisible woman that do, that doesn't have anything to do with the invisible man but also will be something that is potentially a platform kind of movie that will spring off into a shared universe. And then that didn't happen. And then she landed on the film that she made, which I think is coming out in February, Cocaine Bear, which is a bear. Oh, that's on cocaine right. Rampad, yeah. With Phil Lord and, and Chris Miller. Chris Miller. Miller. Yeah. And it's one, of, I think right? it's Ray Liotta's last uh, on-screen performance.
0: Huh? Yeah. I forgot about Cocaine Bear. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting man yeah i'm horror shared universes like yeah i guess the conjuring is the one that really took off but quiet place i just don't unless you'll see variants of the monsters i guess or you know like in any post-apocalyptic story where the humans are worse than the monsters kind of thing like there are different things you can do but i do agree with you with the last of us stuff where we already compared it to that and
1: um and now we're we're, getting it and it's kind of like okay well you know, I, I could see people that 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 have that are more familiar with the with a Quiet Place looking at The Last of Us and not knowing that it's a video game adaptation and being like, oh, are they just ripping off a Quiet Place? You know, and and that way, and it, or or preferring a Quiet Place because they've only seen a Quiet Place.
0: Yeah, even the clickers in The Last of Us, their design. I mean, it's more because they have like fungus growing out of them. Um, but they don't see and they, they go off sound. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's there are a lot of similarities even in the production design of how the post lock I mean, a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff all looks the same. It's greenery grown over buildings and, 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 and shit like that. But yeah. using iconic
1: landscapes and going, oh, my God, it's all fucked. Um, Richard Matheson with, you know, I am legend. Like, it's yeah. it's 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 been it, it's there's common tropes and cliches within that subgenre that it's like you know, you've seen it once, you've seen it a hundred times before. Sometimes though, you know, one catches on more than the others and then that one also influences so much more. And especially when you have it in a different medium, like a video game where, you know, you've talked about this, where not everybody's played it. So not everybody's aware of the influence that they're getting through the video game, but, you know, from a secondhand kind of, perspective where like right you're seeing you know the uh the maze runner movies or it comes at night you know or a quiet place referencing the last of us but not being familiar with that yeah yeah
0: we're also getting a new insidious movie isn't patrick wilson directing it
1: yep that's that's probably how they lured him back to do it where it was like i mean obviously he's he's good friends with james Wan, Mm -hmm. but like it's like it's like Patrick. How how do how do we get you back to make another Insidious movie? It's like, well, I don't, I don't know, I, guys. Like I'm I'm you know like James. Like I appreciate that we're still working together and that I'm in the next Aquaman movie. It's like, what if I let you direct Insidious four? Sold.
0: <laughs> Is it the fourth one? Oh yeah, the third one was like the the key or whatever, wasn't it? Or like the yeah. The- I forget what the hell it was called, but I didn't even see the third one. So
1: I sure did. And uh, um, I cannot really remember anything about it other than um it was not great.
0: Yeah, I forgot it even existed. Um I like the But those movies as
1: well. To... Again, very cheap, easy to make. You know, you release them in January. There's not a lot of competition, it's good counter-programming. You know, the guy who directed that last um in Cities movie also directed the escape room film, so You know, like, it it goes to show you that, like, you can... Are we going to get another one of those? I'm sure we will. I don't know how well that second Escape Room movie did, but the first one did a lot better than Sony (laughs) was even predicting, to the point where there's, like, we need to fast-track a sequel. So, and, and I mean, you mentioned already, or we were talking, you know, when we were going to the Black Adam event, where you know, there is the uh, director's cutter, the, the, yeah, which completely changes the story of the, the theatrical one. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I have no idea like if they continued which version they would go with, but probably the theatrical ones, but um, I don't know. Um, yeah. I know we've done, it's November 1st, everyone, but we're still in the the Halloween mood. We're talking about a lot of horror stuff on this uh, episode we'll get to christmas stuff uh soon enough there's plenty of time i know christmas music will start playing oh everywhere and you're not are you a christmas guy at
1: all no we've talked no? about yeah. this uh, no i don't i don't mind it in the sense of like you know rewatching home alone for the 800th time or something like that and i i don't mind it in small qual- quantities but after working at toys r us right Right. I can I cannot listen to Christmas music anymore. I can't tolerate it in, on any level. Like I will leave the room. I will ask somebody to change the station if we're in a car. It, it's just I I can't do it, and that's why I'm also never having children. Uh, so <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Toys R Us really helped. Uh, I guess, and if there's a silver lining, you know, making that decision for me. But um, yeah, I there's just something about like when you work. It, seasonally in Toys R Us in high school and you know you have the same seven songs playing on loop for an eight hour shift during a weekend um for for two days back to back you will begin to realize that you know the season no matter how much positivity you want to put in the world there is a little bit of a, a Scrooge in each and every one of us so
0: I love it um, last thing I wanted to mention, I forgot to mention in the what we've been watching, White Lotus season 2 started. Uh if you haven't watched the first season, go back and watch it. it. Started off where I was like, do I like this show or not? And then I like it continued to win me over and I think season 2 um the first episode is great. Um it takes place in Sicily uh this time where the first one was in Hawaii. Um it it's definitely a follow-up but it's a it's almost they're not quite like Agatha Christie murder mysteries, but like each season, it seems like will take place at a new location where this hotel chain must be like, we can't, we got to have people stop being murdered at a resorts, or else we're going to have to close down. <laughs> like, uh, why doesn't like,
1: this happen at a best Western?
0: <laughs> yeah. Like if this white Lotus resort is just going to start getting known for someone gets murdered there at least once a year or once every couple of years. Um, I feel like they don't have a, a long, um, shelf life uh, shelf guess. life yeah. yeah um but i i really liked i think the casting is fantastic both in the first season and this one i think aubrey plaza is killing it already in that first episode i will say um theo james his voice doesn't match his face <laughs> just like he has such a deep ass voice that i just don't expect to come from that dudes and it's not like i think he should have like a i don't know what it is but it's just like you ever see someone and you're like your voice doesn't match you and not in a bad way. because I th- a think great that sometimes voice. happens
1: even when you're listening to a podcast and you have that, what do they call it? It's like a disassociation yeah. where, you know, you listen to a voice for so long on the radio or, or again, podcasts or what have you. And then you see the people that are actually, you know, behind the voices and it's like, oh, that wasn't the, per- like the person I, like, I would have never put two to two, uh, two and two together. And it's, it's just very weird. Uh, where i know what you're talking about where like yeah he has that kind of deep kind of voice but he also looks like kind of like a run-of-the-mill male model type yeah so it's
0: just like one of those things where i'm like i don't know your voice just doesn't match what i envision from you but i sure um but yeah i think he's uh he's been all right in the first episode too um
1: heard he has big dick energy
0: he sure does. <laughs> uh, gotta love F. Murray Abraham. Uh, Jennifer Coolidge comes back in this season, so I I'd also be like, how can people keep getting murdered at this resort while you're here? But um, you know what? It's
1: it's like you know, R.I.P. to Angela Lansbury. But it's like murder she wrote yeah. right where like the joke was like how come like every time she's going somewhere, someone always gets murdered. Like the joke was she was the true murderer behind it all.
0: Yeah. So. um uh, Michael Imperioli who I feel like I haven't seen in a, in a while. Like what?
1: How dare you, sir? He Did was we in see him, something?
0: Oh, he is great in Watchmen, dude. And, and I, then he was, a, was also he was also He's a in Cesar. many saints of Newark and Newark, Newark, one night yeah. in Miami and and um but I just feel like he's he's someone I haven't like paid to attention to in, in in a long time so it was like i nice. guess the
1: last big role he had and what i mean big like like movie role yeah he was, was in that probably, one
0: episode of Watchmen, right
1: yeah and he was playing himself and it was like an ad for um coming back to new york or something god like Watchmen's
0: that. so fucking good i gotta watch that show again
1: uh yeah hong chow as well you know like it, it's it's amazing that cast am um, i gonna
0: start Watchmen again tonight
1: i might <laughs> maybe um but the lovely bones i think was like the last kind of like big role he had where he was the police officer kind of investigating stanley tucci but kind of didn't have enough evidence to to work with but obviously he's like i mean he's ma- he's amazing as christopher on the sopranos and and you know like the way he says like to yo t t what yeah. do you think t um
0: and he was in spike lee's old boy Oh, he's in um, he's in a few Spike Lee movies. Yeah. yeah. So and, I yeah. mean he was
1: Spider in Goodfellas is the he gets killed by Joe Pesci.
0: Yeah, sure. But I just mean in the, like the last little while. I haven't seen him in like a lead role like this in like in a while, right? And, yeah. Um I love Haley Lou Richardson uh as well. Um, like I mentioned, Aubrey Plaza is great. Um you got Will Sharp in there. Um is John Grease uh, back? Yep, John Grease is back. I love um, John Grease. John Grease is great, man. Um you know my love for lost him as roger linus well he's uh, also
1: the the Wolfman in um uh monster, monster squad right night Two, and yeah John he Grease had an amazing mullet in the 80s Incredible. did you
0: watch white lotus season one no i man? haven't i yeah. ha- i
1: just i haven't had time matt i'm a movie guy that in the rehearsal I, I haven't watched hot d yet it's okay I mean, I'm. Or the bear.
0: There's a funny conversation. And like, what, why I love The White Lotus, too, is just its satirization of just, you know, um, elites and and society. And like, some of it's a little on the nose. And, and I, even in the first season, I, I thought that, but, um, I they have this conversation about that. There's too much content, too much TV. There's a Ted Lasso joke and stuff like that, too, between, you know, this more right leaning couple and a more left leaning couple and stuff like that. So like some of Mike White's commentary can be very obvious, but I think the way that, you know, I I, I give him the benefit of the doubt because in the first season I was kind of like is this working i don't know but then as the season played out i, I thought it worked a lot better of of satirizing and a, a topic we talked about a lot of like social elites and and stuff like that of like the takedown of of those people that we've seen in you know glass onion coming up soon um we saw in uh, a triangle of sadness you mentioned the menu. The menu, yeah. I think this is a ongoing kind of theme. Adam and,
1: McKay in general, yeah.
0: So I, I think that um, you know Mike White does a pretty good job with it, and I think the first season, as like a both a murder mystery and just kind of a satirization of social elites, is pretty good. And it seems like this season uh, continues that. So I'm really enjoying it. And then to lead off that, it looks like that's going to lead into the new year, and then we got a Last of Us rumored release date of january 15th it like leaked on hbo max that it was like on one of their leaked. descriptions so i don't know man like uh hbo has been crushing it hot d's great so um uh all these shows kind of continuing or coming back uh, i'm i'm here for um but yeah you gotta watch white lotus man but there's too many like again it's literally repeating the conversation that they have in the first episode of the show where there's just like there's so much but yeah
1: there's there's pockets of every, like every year it seems like there's there are times where it's like i can fit in a couple of tv shows especially if we have access to the majority of them and it, it, it almost seems like it's like late winter early spring is like the best time for that kind time of stuff so yeah. like the after party and severance which actually just got some casting news as yeah. well yeah Uh, With John Noble and and Gwendolyn Christie and and, and things like that. So like that seems to be the best time or then like even with, you know, the rehearsal, which was, you know, kind of in that period uh, at the end of summer into the fall and it just kind of fit right before, you know, the festival season kind of began. So. Um, you know there were there there are periods throughout the year, but it's like if I miss them, it's it's hard for me to go back and watch a show, unlike a movie where it's again the commitment times are are different. So, um, or unless it's something that I'm just so pot committed already on, like a Star Wars or a Marvel show, where I you know I've I've watched. You feel all like it. you
0: need to be in in the moment yeah. as well. Where some of these shows, like. Yeah, people really love, but it's not necessarily that thing you need to be part of the conversation. Like you'll be, you'll catch up when you need. I guess Hot D is different. You you might have, uh, but you were always someone who liked to wait and, and catch up after. Yes, yeah, right? s-
1: some shows I'm I'm more interested in kind of just going through as if they were, uh, you know, a, a, an extended movie or you know an overlong film, especially when you have shows like Game of Thrones where. It, you know, like, I, I think you can kind of watch it that way and, and kind of get through it in a, in a way where you can still stop and, and and resume later on, obviously, and I've done that, but it kind of feels like it's it's more interesting to kind of watch it and not a binge watch kind of way. Sometimes there is that like, oh, you can get through it in a, in a day like Cobra Kai or, or, or Ridiculous in a short amount of time. Um but there is just something where it's like it's all done and it's ready to go. And whenever you're ready for it, you can kind of watch it and follow it. And I'm not worried about spoilers because I've never been bothered by like having things ruined. It's more so just how how they happen that I'm more interested in seeing yeah, totally. what happens.
0: You will watch Last of Us week to week with me, though, right? So you know. No. Um, thank you all for listening or watching we really really do appreciate it Um, we'll be back with another episode uh, early next week where Eric and I will talk about our experience at the uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever press conference which will then lead into our Black Panther Wakanda Forever uh, review that will be next week Uh, so stay tuned for that, that should be awesome Uh, you can check out Eric and I's impressions of Black Panther on our social media accounts, which is at Matt Rohrbeck and at EM6211. Uh, it's always in that weird space where there's a, no social embargo, but there is a review embargo. So <laughs> you can go to social media uh, and the hellscape that is Twitter to go find our uh, yeah, thoughts smelling on, a little musky over there. If you know I what I mean, it, I hate it. Um, And then uh, go check out our other episodes uh, of Untitled Movie Podcast and Untitled Movie Reviews. We have a review up right now for Tales of the Jedi, uh, James Gray's Armageddon Time. We have an After Sun review, The Good Nurse, uh, the aforementioned Black Adam. We have a full spoiler-free review if you want our thoughts on that. Uh, If you're still in the Halloween mood, Halloween Ends. There was a great conversation between Eric and I who are on that side of Halloween Ends kind of rips. History um, will look
1: fondly on us, Matt.
0: Um, the Tar Wars, Eric and I fighting over Tar. Uh, you know, there's Amsterdam and and Werewolf by Night. Tons of stuff over there. So uh, go check all of that out. One stop shop for everything. Just head over to Letterboxd, which is untitled underscore movies
1: yes and uh, i'm eric Martin. you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinema scene i have an interview up right now that you can watch with after sun writer director charlotte wells that's great wells. everyone go watch that um and and after sun is now playing in limited release so if it is playing near you please give it a shot it is really lovely and you can follow me on all the social medias at em6211
0: until next time
1: uh, I just want to fly. Wicked, 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 wah, wah, wah. Put your eyes around me, baby.